Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is muffled. Oh, it's not the recording. It's, just, it's the quality of voice that I can hear your voice. And I'm wondering if Zach's voice is going to be the same. First of all, can I see a face? Wait a minute. No, no faces. We didn't do Skype. Let's okay. Well, we were going to do Skype. Well, let's disconnect this one. Here, hold on. There you go. All right, so that's me. Now Now let me hear Zach's voice. Go ahead, Zach. I'm, I'm right here, Al. Okay, great. I'm fine now, David, but listen. Uh, you've got to go. Or you, can you monitor this for a minute? What are you going to do? Yeah, I can monitor. Yeah. Okay. Marlene, All right. Out. Zach, did you get a chance yes. to listen to anything we did yesterday? Yeah, I did. It's clear as a bell. I sent you an Great. email saying Great. as I, much. I, uh, okay, I haven't been in a minute. Okay, now listen. The only quirk that I, uh, the, the problem I have with it is when you say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, sure, oh, sure. Not only does it cut me out and distract me, but it makes me lose my focus because you're, you're agreeing with me and, or acquiescing and, and every, everything I say that's interesting to you, go, oh, yeah, you know, it's a, please try to just m- remain mute because Guaranteed. It, it distracts me so much. It's, it's an instinct because I'm always in this first person, second person. Before I know it, I'm asking a question, and I'm, I, I'm just trick, deceiving myself into thinking I didn't do it. And it's like I've got to do this. For my own um, uh, order, I have to have this stream of consciousness, and anything, any single item can take me off on a tangent, and I heard myself on a fucking tangent, and then when I hung up, I didn't even get to my real point, so I really need to focus fully on what me talking and you listening, unless I ask you, which is what I'm going to ask you in a few minutes. I listened to this recording three times last night, and every single bit of it was explosive to me. And I'm, I'm talking about from a journalist standpoint, from a, a person listening to notes versus somebody's boring, absolutely life-draining monologue about something that you just barely at the end of it get a point. And I've read reams of reams of it. One time I was working for Stallone, as I told you, and they would come by the fucking basket load every morning. Every fucking writer in Hollywood would leave his script at Stallone's desk for him to read to get ideas. Every wannabe in the world was told by every agent, hey, Stallone's reading scripts today. And I, they would be knee-deep, and I'd fucking, he wouldn't even touch 90% of them. He'd give them to me. And I'd take him home and I'd read them. I said, what fucking contrite drivel or contrived bullshit or absolutely worthless fucking penmanship or absolutely the worst never once. Nope, I can't say that. There was one script that I thought was interesting. But the more I think about it, it didn't fucking come from Stallone. It came from a writer that I met on the way to Stallone, before I even met Stallone. So here we go. I want to to come back to this stream of consciousness. If you listen to what I say, it is absolutely, what's the word, remembered as if it was yesterday. It was, uh, and when I'm talking, it's that, that's, uh, I'm in that state. It's, I, oh, I want to say, uh, like when I was a young man, I prayed in front of the, the uh, mass on Sunday mornings with incense and a whole three, four hundred people responding to the priest and there's a whole chanting and a whole ritual of, you know, well, you know, it's the spiritual ritual of the Catholic Church. And it was an awesome, and I was imbued with its sense and, uh, and it's the, uh, it, I never felt that feeling until, well, now, see, look, I just went off on another fucking tangent. I didn't get to my other point, which is what I was trying to say about being in a state. I used to call it being in a state of grace. When you're in a state of grace, uh, you're in this 
pure place as a child, you can be in a state of grace mostly. But when you enter into a state of grace, it means nirvana. It means the, uh, every, every wannabe priest, monk, and uh, seminarian wants to achieve this as surely as the Buddhist or the Trappist monk wants to achieve enlightenment, or Buddha did achieve enlightenment. Uh, so that ritual and that, and that exercise of doing the, uh, the, the being a tiny boy and responding to an adult priest and an audience backing me, everything he said, I responded. For example, Dominus Vobiscum et cum spiritu tuo. He would say, the Lord be with you, Dominus Vobiscum et cum spiritu tuo. And the altar boy would say, and with you also. And on and on was this dialogue of man and child and, and a grown adult audience all linked in, synced in, zoned in, meditated into uh, a harmonic conversion like none before and after in my life. And as I traveled through my life, I used this many, many times in, this, in times of stress and recuperation and desperation and all the other uh, avenues and walkways of life this application of faith, and it's not so much religion, remember this, it's, not, it's more like Alma Gantry believes in what he's doing, believes in the power of what he's doing and, and sees the results, and that's the other thing. It's, it's, it's tangible. It's not uh, nebulous. Oh, I prayed for you and I, my back of my head fell back on again, or my dick grew or something. You know, it's like it's, it's tangible because you can see it in the behavior and, and the faces of people when, when it happens. But that's a whole other story. What I'm looking for today was this. I dip, last night I'm uh, watching my two children working musically. In fact, we're all working together until I get miffed like a silly old queen and say, they're not playing old rock and roll. They say, fuck you. I want to play young stuff. And, and so they started playing their shit, and so I went and smoked a bowl and was pouting in the corner that they didn't want to play Frankie fucking setback. My son said, I don't want to play the same fucking chords over and over, Dad. And then I, and I started listening to them playing, and my God, the back of my fucking head lifted up, and they sang perfectly. My daughter had held a phone and sang the lyrics to Nelly's, must be the money, and the whole thing in sync, and he was playing the guitar, and it was like, fuck, that's a fucking kick the ass of anyone on American Idol. That's how good it was. So the same feeling again at the same moment I saw my children as adults all of a sudden. Here I am doing all this heavy shit about Frankie Setback and all the retro and Jim Morrison. And there's the new music right in front of my fucking eyes, which should be a bigger part of what I'm doing, and it will be. And so these wonderful clusters of, you know, harmonic conversion or... Just things going fucking right. My priest says there's no coincidences. No coincidences. And I really believe that now. So here's the thing about you and me and David. <clears throat> and I just spoke with David this morning about this because I wanted to accelerate it. David, that link I sent you, dysfunction? Are you there, Levine? Hold on. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm here. You got that link dysfunction I just sent you, right? Yes. Yeah, the 15-minute video, yeah. Send it to Zach right now. And Zach, we're going to begin this conversation about this subject. It's called, uh, I told you yesterday, called the Rock You, Suck You, Fuck You, Suck You, Backwards, Forwards, uh, Magical Mystery Tour on Fucking Ice, because that's what it is. And you'll see what I'm talking about when you see this footage today, and you'll grasp uh, essentially what this whole thing is. However, I've, I've instructed David to take every single piece of relevant footage connected with this, to this, by this, of the same caliber, or any kind of link that we've been working on simultaneously uh, that, that gives you an, eye, an eyes-on uh, retrospective of what happened here in the last four months. But more than that, <clears throat> it gives you the texture or the landscape or the terrain that, that was created by this. And, and by getting the landscape and the terrain, then you're in it with us and you're not out there just reading it. You're, you, you see photographs, you see video, and you hear uh, instruction and you hear uh, narration and you hear edicts and you he hear condemnation. And all of this thing 
is the, once again back to the cacophony of sounds in the marketplace, and it's like the same texture that we're, we're, we're doing. It defies every other documentary of talking fucking heads and the same old formula, but you fucking can see it coming down the fucking road. It's so dull. This is jarring. This is off the fucking charts different. It is absolutely unlike anything I've ever seen, and I think it's essentially raw feed. What I said again was, don't take me in the studio. Don't take me to the editing bay. Don't fucking make me rewrite something and for every little comma and so on and so forth. That's your job. Let me be raw feed. Let me absolutely, uh, let me tell you a quick story. Real brief, I'm sidetracking and I know where I'm going. One day, Larry Flint Myself and Gordon Liddy were sitting in Larry Flint's office. I'd just finished making him a decal of the President of the United States logo, and I'd taken out the President's name, and I'd inserted Larry Print. I mean, President Larry Flint. And he was glowing like a fucking nuclear power plant that just went offline because there was a leak, and it was like coming out of the top of him. And, 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 and uh, uh, Timothy Leary leached over to me and said, You know, Alan? This is a wonderful raw data center. We were watching some footage at the time of me wheeling in 15 wheelbarrows full of pennies with hookers with no underwear into the Los Angeles Federal Courthouse and the sheriffs coming out and confiscating the wheelbarrows and they were the ones who wheeled them into the fucking courthouse, into the garage. And the hookers lifted their skirts up and showed their ass and we all walked into the courtroom for a jolly good fucking hearing. And boy, was it a fucking circus. But that's another story. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you that. Well, I forgot what I was going to tell you. Well, the whole point was anything can fucking happen in these conversations, and that's why I want David to not be just picking his nose, but recording and listening too, because sometimes I forget things, and this recording was going to help me too, because I may never fucking revisit that thing I just forgot, but then again, it might pop into my head. So that's what I want to be, and this is the whole point of this conversation. Never edited, never never um, stopped talking, uh which is a fucking hard one around here because they want me to die, but never stop talking when I'm in this state of mind because it's that state of grace unlocks all kind of fucking shit. If I sat with a journalist and said to me, well, tell me about your past. Tell me about Larry Flynn. What did you do in Springfield? Well, I could have fucking asked myself that, but I, you know what I mean? I, I would get like, well, like four or five things that I remember. But if I come from state of mind, streaming consciousness, I get everything. And I don't mean I get everything. I, I get everything, but there's so much fucking more. And every time I go dip into this, like a little deeper, it's like a dive in, in uh, Maharishi when they do that transcendental meditation. They call it doing a dive into this pool of energy and coming back out, but sucking some of the energy up with you and getting revitalized. Well, I do that, you see, in my own church. And that's another thing. So contemplative uh state of mind and this constant talking is actually the raw data so let's say again we have this raw data i know by just a little uh feedback from you that you get every fucking thing i say and if you don't you will real soon and the only thing you're lacking is a few years of knowledge and but research on online can bring you up with Oscar Wilde, who is critical in this because he's buried right next to Jim Morrison. Edith Piaf is buried right there. Sartre and a whole bunch of other these massive giants that are just inches away from fucking Morrison. And it's, that's another aspect of the magic of this whole thing. Morrison coming back to life again in the form of ancillary art and whatever. And this time directly to the public and no distributor and nobody telling us you can't fucking do that because everything we do is our own art, copyrighted and signed, sealed and delivered. And anyone who says, hey, that looks like Jim Morrison, say, yes, but it's 18 points, which is all you fucking need. David will tell you this. The artist can take license and take Jim Morrison's picture and change 18 little dots on it and it does not belong to that artist anymore. It is a re constituted image or whatever the fuck you want to call it. It is a stolen image. Somebody puts a few dots and a little paint in it and they own it. That's the law, by the way. It's the image that was shot that is saved. Nothing else. That doesn't mean I can't take a picture of 
anybody and bend it into any fucking thing I want and sell it, which is what we're doing. Now, I'm going to do this next thing. That was a 15-minute thing. I believe I'm done with that one. I'm going to go on to this. I'm smoking a bowl. I'm relaxing in my room, enjoying my dogs and looking out the window. And this is what I'm looking for, Zach. Well, I tried to try to explain it yesterday, but then we had to go. It goes like this. What chord did I strike and what chord did I not strike? And that comes in the, the backward analysis of you telling me briefly, without pressure, in any way you want in that conversation, anything that takes your fancy this morning, ask me, tell me, feed me back. Okay, well, are you ready? Yes, sir. I've I've never known much or anything at all really about your life between the Morrison years and the Flint years, so I'm interested in the Marjo Gordner connection. I watched a film on him last night. I'm interested in the Robert Blake connection. I'm already knowing about him, and he's accused of killing his wife, and he claims innocence. Um, I'm interested in all the period between Morrison and Flint, and I'm interested in I know Wait a minute. Steve what, Levine what stuff. What dates uh, were we what? talking about? Give me what, what do you mean between Morrison and Flint? What does that mean? Well, the years. I mean, Morrison died in '71, and you began oh, yeah. your association with Flint in mid '90s, right? No, no. So it was '83. Okay. So there's that's still like about ten years. Yeah, decade yeah. area there. I'm just wondering what what you did with yourself in that period. Um, from, uh, from after Flint, you mean? Yeah, well, no, after Morrison, before Flint. Oh, okay, well, that was a short period of time. It was almost only one year. Well, from 71 to 83, that's like eight years, isn't it? Oh, well, what happened was, after Flint, in 85, I moved back to Coronado. It's actually the late 85. And that's when Anna and I got divorced. Uh Uh-huh. And so, anywhere in there, it's like, you know what? The truth is, I haven't even thought about that. I was talking about today. What what did I strike today in the conversation that I had with you? You know, I, I wasn't ready to go back to that period at all. I was asking you about today. Oh, shit, Al, I'm sorry. I, I listened back to the recording of yesterday, and I realized that I didn't ask you pertinent questions about yesterday's. <laughs> well, that's, another, that's, so another, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. That's, um, another, that's another conversation. We can have that in a, a different zone that I'm in, which will sure. be ready for it. Now I'm in the zone of listening. Right. Well, okay. Um, I'm I'm always sort of taken by surprise when you call because you speak so loudly and so quickly, and I can't hear most of it. And I just kind of wait for the talks you're recording okay, to really okay. understand. All it. right. So let, let's let's um, work on yesterday. Did you listen to yesterday? Well, I did yesterday. I listened let's, to let's it. Yeah. Talk, uh, right. Here's here's from today though. You're just talking about you were just talking about the transcendental state you were able to achieve as a child in Catholic religious services. I wonder if you would like me to add that part to before the Beatles were famous when you're talking about the same subject. Absolutely, because if you listen to that recording, it's yeah. absolutely uh, and it's written in before the Beatles were famous. Already. I know, I know, I know. It's just what you said today is different. Oh, yeah, add to that. Yeah. Well, rem- remember I told you there'll be lots that I can flesh out. So, yes, add that, and there'll be lots more like it. Sure, okay, okay. All right. And so, once again, I want I want to hear. I'm not, I don't want to be – I don't want to be doing anything other than your general impression from any time and specifically about <clears throat> what I've said because this is okay. what happens. When you read it back to me – I remember more and more layers of it, and that's why I'm asking it. I used to get okay. my wife to type. I used to get my wife to type it up, and sometimes read it back to me, or let me just look at it. And it was, uh, it was, um, what's the word? It, well, it, it triggered. That's what I'm talking about. It triggered other, uh, other that I'd forgotten at that time. I was writing when I reread sure. it. I went, "Oh, there's that little avenue." And I would, in my mind, I would add it. <clears throat> but back then, we were typing, and it's like cumbersome to. So now, in this technology and with this conversation going on, nothing is lost, and it's so easy for me. Like I played my own recording, and I got my feedback. But what I'm looking for is your. Uh, <clears throat> this is this is remember this phrase. 
It is a dispassionate view that I'm looking for. That means, yes, we work together. Yes, we write. But there's something about this material that you could, if you do what I do, you go to another level and look at it in that state I call metacognizance. I am thinking about what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about what I'm writing. I'm thinking about what I'm doing instead of just I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about, which is a higher state of consciousness, which is metacognizance, which is, I mean, fully, fully aware of more than you could ever be just normally. You know, oh, I see that. Yeah, I'm drinking this beer, but not thinking about that I'm drinking this beer, just drinking the fucking beer. Sure. So what I'm looking so, for, once again, is this, uh, it's like, I know it's hard to do, but if we're having this conversation in a different way, for example, let me let me do this for you, and then I think it, you might find it easier. Okay. We, talk, we talked about Larry Flint, Gordon Liddy, and Alan Graham in an office. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so feed me back <laughs> on that point. Okay, well, I had I had been under the impression that you didn't want to concentrate on the Flint stuff right now, but the Liddy connection did stay with me. Um, I'm interested in understanding about that. I couldn't find any Google response to uh, Larry. Well, no, I found I found on Google that uh, Liddy was sent to infiltrate Flint's camp when he said he was going to find the true assassin of JFK. Right. right. And well, I, I actually, now see that. Yeah, who, uh, where'd, you read, where'd you read that? Oh, Google somewhere? I don't know. Yeah. Some, <clears throat> okay, then, uh, while we're on the subject, and this is exactly what I'm talking about, something just popped into my head, and it's critical that this go in the story. Otherwise, okay. I might not remember. I want you to write this. <clears throat> General Mitchell Werbel, W-E-R-B-E-L. E-R-W-E-R-B-E-L. Right, General what? Mickle? No, General Mitchell. But let's Mitchell, just call him. Okay. No, just go by his name, Mitch Werbel. Okay. General Mitch Werbel. Okay. Now I want you to look him up, and uh, then you'll find when I we get into it my connection to him. Then I want you to look up this one. This okay. is a journal. This is a journalist called May Russell. M. I know about her. I know about okay. her. Okay, then I want you to look up the uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare. Okay, Madeline. I got another pen. Oh, Christ, here. She's a famous atheist. Madeline Murray O'Hare. O'Hare. Just write that name down and done. Then I want you to look up these names. Bill Menser. M-E-R-S-E-R. Mercer. Mensa. M-E-N-S-E-R. Alex. Alex. Marty. M-A-R-T-I-E. M-A-R-T-I. Okay. And the last one was Rob. Rob. I think it was Rob Lowell was the last one. But look look all those names up. Punch those names in and right behind them punch in Roy Raiden slash the Cotton Club slash Larry Flint slash Alan Graham and you'll get everything. Okay, now did you say uh, Rob Lowe or Rob Lowell? Rob Lowell. Lowell? In fact, just L-O-W-E-L-L. Just leave his name off. The other two in the search will bring him up. I'm not sure of his name. Okay, so do uh, slash Roy Raiden slash Cotton Club slash Larry Flint Al Graham. Right. Now that's for that search. Okay. And that's off that. Okay. 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 Now what was I just saying about uh, oh Gordon Liddy, yeah. Yes, in an office. Right. Now the With intensity of the, and Larry. the intensity of the um of that, to this, just as I'm talking about it, it brought flooding back because I knew why Liddy was there. Flint did not know, but I did. And I was in that, let's say, <clears throat> I was operating in... In the right OODA loop. Sorry? Were you in the right OODA loop? 
I was operating in Gordon Liddy's OODA loops, in Larry right. Flynn's in Larry Flynn's OODA loops, and Bill, and this is the other name I want you to write down, Bill Ryder, R-Y-D-E-R, Bill okay. Ryder. I was up, he was a chief of security for Larry Flint. Now, there's many, many other names in the list of these bodyguards, but those are the most important ones to remember. So at that time, I was operating inside the Uda of Gordon Liddy. He thought he was operating in Larry Flint's. I was operating in his. Bill Ryder thought he was operating in, in uh, Gordon Liddy's Uda. I was operating in Larry Flint's, Gordon Liddy's, Bill Ryder's, Bill Mensa's. Alex Marty's and every single one of them, including Jimmy Flint, Larry's brother, who brought his own ex-Vietnam murderer, one-armed psychopath from Kentucky with snake charmers and all kinds of fucking potions and all kind of country fucking violence like you ain't never seen. Some of them had no front teeth, and that was just the women, and I ain't fucking joking. Some of them had homemade clothes on made out of jute or whatever the fuck fabric they wove it together but it looked like it came out of the hills of fucking kentucky anyway those were the kind of people who had descended on that mansion descended for that million dollars and it never fucking ended and even after it ended it never ended because here's what i'm going to do a leap of jump right out into nowhere with you i want you to write this down irv rubin leader of the jewish irv defense rubin. league okay Herb Rubin, leader of the Jewish Defense League. Got it. And all of these people, like with Gordon Liddy and, and, uh, and the, the the absolute antithesis of the polar opposite of Gordon Liddy, criminal versus FBI. But the FBI is Gordon Liddy by this stage is ex FBI, and he was never really what's the word out for anyone other than himself. He was a total fucking businessman, even in the FBI. He's, he made his bones. They tried to kick him out of the FBI. He was so fucking, they hated him so much. But he was a dedicated little fucker, and he clung in like a barnacle, and he got his, his years in, and he got fucked up in that Watergate thing. And here's my story. In that same office, <clears throat> we had the fire alarm go off. Some kind of fucking alarm. Everybody panicked. You'll read about it when I send you this. There was a bomb case. I called it a bomb case. It was somebody's briefcase. Started bleeping like a motherfucker right in the hallway. Nobody attending it. The bodyguard runs out, grabs the fucking briefcase like a moron, and holds it out above, away from him. Like, that's not going to blow his fucking face off and everyone else is in the room. Larry Flint, I push him into the fucking office. I, Gordon Liddy runs back to the to where the bell is sounding, the blonde fucking huge bodyguard karate murdering bastard comes and throws the fucking briefcase across the fucking hallway, right through the front door, and right into the fucking pool. And everybody around the pool scatters like fucking snow in summer, and the fucking businessman who was in the office waiting to see Larry Flynn comes running through the fucking hallway and says, hey, why is my flying fucking bomb briefcase going through the air and landing in the pool? That's my pager going off in there. That's all it was. In the meantime, Gordon Liddy's in the back. He's now pulled the fucking bowels of the alarm system out of the wall from the wall mount, and he's trying to fucking take the right wire. And I walked in and said, how are you doing, Gordon? He said, I'm just struggling with this. And I said, hey, you could get a job doing this. And he looked up at me and he said, I had one once. And if you know what I'm talking about, that's Watergate, where he was busted for fucking mm. doing all this spy shit. So he had a wry sense of humor, but he was really uh, tiny, weaselly looking, timid as all fucking hell. You would not believe the same Gordon Liddy tough guy who could hold his wrist out above a candle while everybody like smell the burning flesh, and he would just look at them and go. They would say to him, how do you do that? And he said, well, as long as you don't mind the pain, it's real easy. That's, that's, how, that's who he fucking was. He was devoid of human emotion. Anyway, I'm cutting myself off again because I just went another 15-minute rant. I'm supposed to be getting feedback from you, so do me this favor. Let's look at this in another light, and let's just say to me, Zach, Talk to me like me and you are talking and just about something we just talked about. So you're, you're going to ask me a couple of questions now. Let's just do it like that. 
But what we talked about today, if you can remember, or, yeah. or, or, what, you, or what you recall from the talk show yesterday. Well, okay, Al. Um, I'm interested in the Gordon Liddy connection. I'm ready to do this objective editing of your your uh, part of the story. Great. Um, I I like I say I'm relying on Talkshoe to get back for the clarity. But um, um, geez, I mean, what do you, I'm sorry. What kind of feedback do you want from me here? You want you want me to no, tell you Zach, what I think? Zach, is... Zach, it'd be like this. You and me were walking down the street, and you said to me. You know, I just finished that paragraph on fucking Larry Flint, and I'd go, oh, yeah, and you say, I've got this so far, and remember you were talking about this, and I would say, we, what we'd be just is rehashing it in a, in a very creative way. So that's what I'm looking for, not, not like, did you hear what I said or any of that, just anything. To, what I said in the beginning was, what chord did I strike and which one didn't I strike? And I know the answer to the which one didn't I strike by the questions you asked me. That's all. And it's Gosh, well, I'm sorry. This is a new style for me of editing. Yeah. I've always done it off the phone. I've always done it on paper before. Um, yeah. yeah well, you're you know, striking all the chords you want listen, to strike, man. I don't yeah. feel like I'm invested in telling you which chords to strike in me. No, I didn't you know? say that. I didn't say that, Zach. What I meant was... What did I leave you with? Did I strike any chords of, uh, that were memorable to you? Did I not strike any chords? Well, I, I, it's a very interesting story about the pager and the briefcase being mistaken yeah. for a bomb and being thrown into the pool. And I can totally get the, I mean, I get the impression of what a carnival it was in yeah. Larry's place. And I'm reminded of Hugh Hefner Playboy Mansion only without any rules, like without any <laughs> strings. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, I want to know how Marjo Gortner plays in that. That was brought up yesterday. I want to know okay. how Robert Blake, how Richard Widmark plays in. Um, okay, I well, wonder if that was as I, guests uh, let me, let me tell you. Attention. I'll give you something to chew on now because now you've just opened. You just mused me into asking. You asked for certain questions and it went like this: What was Marjo Gortner? What was Richard Widmark? Were how who what when? Here's yeah. how it went. Here's how it went. I was. I had a construction crew of celebrities. No, no, I had a construction crew. Andy Morrison was a member of it. And I had a bunch of framers, and I always had, was always the, the foreman of a group of lunatics who would frame houses and do all kinds of shit. Whatever it was, we'd be there doing it. I always had a crew early in the morning. I always doing exactly what I'm doing today. A little construction over here, demolition over there, fixing somebody's house. Whatever the project was, I was deeply involved with a crew. A bunch of fucking pirates who partied like a fucking bunch of pirates at the end of the day. Blow and all of it and booze and everything. And fueled by madness and money and celebrity. So my connection to... One celebrity is nothing more than an extension of the other. Or this cluster, this this uh, series of events that opened up. I'm working for Sylvester Stallone. Well, I'm meeting, at the same moment I'm working for him, I'm meeting Mr. T. And I'm meeting everyone who's in his movie. And I'm meeting his agent and his manager. And we're all doing blow. And I've got my crew. And I'm meeting his security. And I've got my security. And I'm meeting all the people who come to do business with him. I'm meeting Kurt Gowdy, the sports guy next door. I'm... Uh, I've got Stallone's kid in my right pocket. He's holding my pocket walking around the compound, and we hop into the new Maserati that you see in Rocky Three, and that's my car. And I've got a 9mm, and I take the kid out to junk shops, and I take the kid out to restaurants, and, I take, and I'm on an expense account. And we go all over, and we drive up in the hills, and we meet Ronald Reagan's uh, uh, Secret Service agent who's standing in front of Ronald Reagan's house because Ronald Reagan just sold it, and he's moving to be president now. Uh, are going to be president in the next year, and uh, these are the, these are the people. Of course, I'm walking around Westwood. I'm walking around Pacific Palisades. Pacific Palisades. All these people know Alan Graham is the bodyguard of Sylvester Kid Sage, and they come in here in this deli, and the there, and the cops know us, and everybody knows us, and the whole Hollywood knows that I'm. Sylvester Stallone's bodyguard's kid. So every once again, every fucking wannabe and could be, should be, fellow who thought he could sing, thought he could box, was always hitting me up. The Beach Boy's brother, he, he was a 
uh, a basketball player called Steve Love. Mike Love was the leader of the Beach Boys. He had a brother called right. just like him. He was an NBA. He had a book called Love in the NBA. Look that up. He was always pulling me aside, saying, look, i got this big piece of land, Stallone would love it. Look at it. All of these wannabe but famous but broke-ass or in-between movies were looking to hustle because they knew I knew. Now I know somehow Richard Widmark, how I just went to his house one day, said, this is my fucking crazy crew here. You need anything done? He said, yeah, I need that barn ripping down. I didn't even know it was Richard Widmark because he was so old and gray and fucking shriveled and uptight. I walked on. And he said, and over there, you can use that phone in there and do this and we fix that fucking horse circle. I went in the fucking phone. There's a picture of him on the fucking wall in all his Western movies. He's got memorabilia all over, like an old ranch house with his photographs of all the movies. I come out and go, fuck. Now I looked at him. And then he looks at me and says, oh, you're seen now. But he was nonchalant about it. Never, you know, talked about it. I'm a big movie star because he was fucking mentally ill, paranoid, and saw fucking rabbits coming out of hats all over the place every time you were talking to him. He was slowly going out of his fucking mind. Exit Richard Widmark. Go see Jack Lemon, another guy who's building a house down on the beach. Never met a more twitchy, more hard to fucking stand being around for more than 30 seconds because he never shut the fuck up. Similar to me, except uh, every movie you ever saw of him talking, that's the way he talked in real fucking life. Robert Blake ran a fucking program called Be Free Like Me. Nobody drinks, nobody smokes. He's been drugs all his fucking life. And he goes into this program where suddenly he gets clean. And he's got all these rich kids in Coronado and in uh, Pacific not Pacific Palisades, but Thousand Oaks and the surrounding areas, wealthy movie people, all their kids, all fucked up on drugs. He's got a fucking 501C and a program. He's now no longer doing Beretta because he's out of his fucking mind from Coke. But now he's relaxing and he's got this thing where everybody comes to this house, the parents come, the kids come, and they all say, get off drugs and be free like me. I don't take... Well, what it was, no more than two hours of Robert fucking Blake droning on about his superior uh, power now that he was not famous anymore, but he was famous because his life was in order. Total fucking ranting, empty-headed, fucking burned-out brain bullshit. And of course, none of it lasted, but it was a it was a fucking train wreck to get him to shut the fuck up. People couldn't wait to leave. That's how I saw and met Robert Blake. Dick Gregory came to the mansion looking for the million dollars. He got us in the basement and he started telling us this. Hey, look, see what Whitey does to us? See that movie Roots? You get this guy, white guy, running in this fast music. You get this black guy running. You get this slow music. The propaganda in all these movies and... Uh, just a minute, I've got to go capture these 30 people standing around Larry Flynn's pool because I've got this new white people's supplement diet program made out of ram's dick or whatever the fuck he had in that powder. He was convinced, and he convinced General fucking Mills to buy him out for $30 million. He called it white people's health drink. You see it all the time. People have all those supplement drinks. He got bought out for 30 fucking million by... General Mills. That's what a hustle Dick Gregory. But he also had Larry Flynn's ear because he used to tell him, you know, the Black Panthers are going to get you, Larry. And this is what the way they're going to do it. Larry Flynn was totally fucking wound up. And he, this little bastard had his ear for now. When I moved on Gregory to expel him, it was, uh, let's put it like this. If you don't put spice in your heels of your shoe when you leave Larry Flint for airport, your plane's going to crash. If you don't drink this black water that I made with all kinds of fucking compounds that we don't know where the fuck they came from, that homemade concoction, if you don't take this for 30 days, your back of your fucking head's going to fall off. All of this gym crack, this voodoo, this fucking bullshit... <coughs> Little casting spells, ooh, look out, and then, but it was backed up by a really serious health thing, like colonic, high colonics, cleansing your colon, uh, not eating shit, having good food, and so uh, he didn't drink alcohol, Gordon, I mean, uh, Dick Gregory, 
but he was fucking out there. And this is why I'm going to tell you he was out there. He said to me, there's a couple of things you should always watch for when you see new people coming in the room. Because when people would come in, he'd be saying to me, that's an agent. That's a fucking Martian. And then he said to me, well, let's say Dick was operating on his own fucking area code. No, his own fucking galaxy, to be quite honest with you. He said, watch out for the word purple peel. I said, purple peel? No, no, purple peel. He had an accent, a southern accent. Peel was pill. Purple peel. And I said, okay, mm-hmm. who's going to say that? He said, well, you never know. People walk in. When you hear purple peel, that's what you look for. Okay. Now, did you know that up in the uh, Adirondacks there, that uh, the contact has been made with extraterrestrials? The whole time, Mitch Webell is sitting in the fucking corner with his cane, silver head, that pulls out, and it's a fucking 12-inch dagger. It's a little polished ball of silver on top, and it looks like a regular cane. And he pulls it out often to show you, to brag what he's done. He's watching this fucking schwarzer. <coughs> David knows what that means. It's a Jewish word for black. I know, guy. I know, I know. <coughs> okay. Hey, Cop. hey, I'm not interrupted. Did you ever hear the, the expression, moulin yam? Oh, moulin. A Sicilian yeah. word for a nigger, yes. Yeah, well, actually, you know what it means? Eggplant. No, eggplant is a, a, a euphemism for a black person, but the mulian, it's the melon, yeah, I see, but it's a black. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Arlene's Italian, she told me that. Anyway, go ahead, sorry. To okay, well, yeah, but it's, it, it means when, when, when Dennis Hopper was in that movie, I, can't, I don't even recall it, the mafia was going to kill him, it was, uh, they said to him, so... The Sicilians are inbred, and the mafia leader said, what? He said, when the Moors came to Sicily, they fucked the women so much, they fucked the fucking Italian out of them. So then most of the, that's why you get the black hair and the curly Sicilian. Before, they were all Greek, blonde, tall, six-foot-two people, till the fucking Moors came in and bred it out of them. So you're a fucking eggplant. <laughs> and, and the mafia leader says, he looked at him and Dennis Hopper, and who was it? Famous fucking actor. Anyway, he said, you fucking cantaloupe. So they're laughing about, and that's where the word, a white guy was a cantaloupe. The oh, fucking black guy was the fucking eggplant, because it was dark and black like an eggplant. But it's not that that's the name of it. What does it mean? Of course, that's the slang. They use. The mulian It's the fucking eggplant. Philly, Philly Italian. Philly Italian. There you go, Italian. Sicilian, actually. Different fucking world, different language. So anyway, we were back. Let me finish off with what was I talking about? Talking about... I don't know, man. I'm I'm going against racism, so I kind of screened out that whole last part. Yeah, well, this is the raw part of writing. It's not racism when you're writing about it. It's racism when you sit at home calling somebody a fucking name. Do you understand? It's not yeah, racist, I understand that. I don't think you understand me. I never think and I never feel it. I mean, I'll I'll be your editor, but I I just can't relate to it. But keep talking. Relate to what? Are you saying that I'm racist? I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you're rehashing no, all kinds no, of no, racial no. slurs Wait, right now and Zach, describing Zach. the etymology of the Sicilian, you know. Yeah, Zach, Zach, Zach. Peter, Zach. Peter, Wait a minute. Peter, David, yeah. David, Peter, David, let, David, David, let me. Let, let me, me talk a second. Go ahead. Zach, neither one of us are racist. Al and I are the most... David, 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 Dave, Dave, please let me interrupt you. I don't fucking have to explain. And to well, any I'm living soul. That. I mean, Dave, 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 I don't have to that. someone to tell anyone that I'm a racist or you're a racist, not a racist. That's not the issue here. I'm, I'm finding a corner in Zach that's a hot button. That is, uh, he's offended by any form of racism and any form of reference to racism. But Zach... This is the point, and that's why I told you a little while ago, we need a dispassionate view of all of this because if you're offended by something small like that, you limit yourself very greatly with me because there's so much fucking more to come. And if it's delicate on your ears, you let me know now because this is where we'll, we'll stop right now because I never want to be in any position where, A, you're offended, because it just kills the, the, the process. If, if you're distracted by uh, racism, then you're looking at the wrong page, because this is not about racism. Racism has to be written about, has to be experienced. 
and has to be uh, something other than just people in the room saying bad words or racial words. If you're that delicate, you let me know right now. I'm not delicate, Al, but you're trying to you're trying to be partners with me, and I'm letting you know where I stand on this issue. And I didn't really know where you stood, so I'm feeling out where you stand. I'm cool with being objective and dispassionate. I just I want you to know that I you know I'm that's where I stand. I don't know why you would want me to know that because it should be <laughs> because, a because because yesterday you said that you're more than a client. And because when I said, okay, so we're partners, then you seem okay, to be so, 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 wanting us so, to be on the same page. Let me, let me do this. Let me do this. What I offered you was in this process to be part of our project, to be, have a, come in as a, as a, um, a member of a, of a 501c corporation, that is a charitable organization, that where you become, you receive a salary from the company. In addition to the salary, your writing and all the other things we do together, you would get uh, biographer status, your full status, written with me. We wrote yeah. it together, so you get full credit for that. And whatever, whatever uh, in the contract, whatever uh, percentage of the book that we decide. So this clinical, absolutely dispassionate, nothing to do with my father, your mother, or anyone else on the fucking planet is a contract that said you get X for X participation. There's nowhere in this contract that has any kind of rule of ethic or little sensitivities or little things that I won't work under. None of those fucking rules apply here. That is... For me, I'm not that trying is, to put that on you, Al. I'm not. I'm really not. I've just no, no, you, the well, book okay. that you wrote about your childhood, so I feel like I'm getting to know you on a personal level, and no, I no, wanted to Zach, fill you Zach, out on your Zach, stance on this issue Zach, because you're starting Zach, to talk about shit that doesn't compute in my Zach, mentality. Zach. Well, and now that I've finished, yes, please. I go on. I'm not. I'm missing you, Zach. I know because you were, you were like interrupting me while I was trying to talk about it. Because I, I, you I, I you, you're changing the subject. I'm talking about what you said to me before. You said, "I just want you to know that I don't like racism of any kind of form." So I, and it was almost like I'm not going to do this. I'm trying to explain myself, Al. If you listen. Well, it, look, Zach. I have no fucking idea why you would try to explain yourself. If you were offended, because you, I want you, you to know where I stand, Zach. If you yes, were offended, no. if you were offended in any way, shape, or form, you should keep oh. it to your fucking self because it is not relevant. If you say to me, Al, I can't work under this. If you keep saying this, this, and this, I can't work under those conditions. That's as clinical as what I'm trying to tell you. But I didn't throw- say that. I did not say. No, I, I work. said that, Zach. I said I know. that. Okay, what I know I'm you did. What I'm. What I'm feeding back to you is what you just said to me. It was almost like a warning. I can't work around people who talk bad language. That's the way I it sounded think, to me. I Wait a minute, Zach. Zach, will you listen? Zach, will you listen? Two people saw. Two people. My, David and myself saw the same thing in that transaction. That's why David was rushing to to say, Zach, you got it wrong. We're not fucking racists. We're talking objectively. I understand, though, man. I understand that. I'm trying okay. to give you the same response. I'm trying to explain myself like you explained yourself. Once again, I don't know why you would have to tell me that you were offended by something. You should You should be in a state That's like this. That's not what I'm trying to explain now. David, yes. explain explain to me what I heard. Well, you, I mean, he was just, it came up. He, he said, oh, I, you know, like he said, he blocked it out because it's just not in his, his, uh, his consciousness or he doesn't, you know. So that's all he said was he blocked it out and he just made it known. He wanted you to know that, that, that it affected him emotionally. Well, that that's he, what I'm looking know. for. And that's I'm when not I said, don't say and, whatever you want to say. I'm just letting you know where I stand. Okay. Well, yeah, listen, Zach. He, he just wants you to know what kind of person he is and that, that, that's Zach, part of his. Dave, Dave. Okay, I got that. What I'm saying. But, Zach, this is what I exactly what I said. Which chord did I strike and which one didn't I? And what I struck in, in my last conversation was a fucking visceral 
uh, what's the word, uh, an alarm bell went off. It was almost like, man, I don't like this fucking vulgarity. I don't like this fucking racism. But that's what it came across to me. As a, I just uh, wanted and, to see where you were going with that. I wanted to see what your well, plan was Zach, with all Zach, that data. Zach, I talk so fucking much that if you'd have listened, you'd have found what I'm going. You'll find that I have black nephews and nieces. My brother-in-law was Bob Kofi, the famous boxer from Ghana. He was one of my closest friends, and he was blacker than fucking cold. You don't have to, you don't have to justify Well, I am I now. I am, I'm telling you so that you know from now on all that right, my, okay. I have... I have my. I think we're all part black, to be quite honest with you. Africa well, was the first people to migrate around the fucking world. Anyway, that's not the issue. I'm getting back to this. You and I have got so much going, but but you showed me a side of this provincial thing that showed me a little bit of squeamish about vulgarity, and I say, yes, but it's racism. And, and I find the same thing in, in uh, the generation of my children. They're absolutely intolerant of even the slightest racist or gay joke or any of that. It just absolutely don't do it, Dad. It's a new paradigm. I know that. We're talking historically. We're talking about people being this way. We're talking about behavior of all of this. And I was recording behavior. And so okay. to, get, to get back to, and to get past this, Zach, is the, but I do want to do this with you. I want to really know, but not at the moment, not at, because this is a total distraction to me, on, even though I, I, we've, we've fixed it, it, it. It's like if something offends you so much that, you, that you're going to stop the conversation and say, I just want you to know that I don't like this, but I'll do this. It's like a, it's a warning or it's like a, a, a condition. That's what it was. It sounded to me like a condition to continue on this. We have to do this. And I thought, well, this is the time to nip it in the fucking bud. There are no conditions here if you either like it or you don't like it. And the moment you don't like it, all you have to do is say, Al, I want to get off, and I'm off. And there's no problem with it. But I, I'm, I don't want to hear through the middle of it, oh, don't go there. I don't like that. I'm not that kind of guy. And that's what I heard. And maybe I was fucking overreacting myself, but that's what I hear. Would you say that was valid, Levine? Yeah, he literally said that he he blocked it out. He didn't want he didn't want to listen to it. Yeah, well, I didn't mean, not say that I would ignore it. I mean, I did not no, I know. to work said, on it. But, yeah, no. Well, let me give you just real quick, just to end this whole thing. You, if, if, as you know, Al, he'll make comments about Jews and stuff, and he but he always follows them up to me. He says, and you remember, I'm half Jewish. You know. I mean, it's just uh, like it goes with the stream of consciousness, and there's, and there are stereotypes, you know, of, of every culture, and you can't say they don't exist anymore. You know, of what course, I mean? and I'm it, not trying to, and I'm not trying to. I just wanted to get a sense of his direction, of your direction. I mean, how many friggin' Jewish stereotypes? You know, I mean, about uh, being cheap, and, yeah. you know, just, you know, or, well, see, or black Dave, people, Dave. watermelons. <laughs> David, this is exactly where I didn't want to go to try to, to explain because Zach, I know. Yeah, no, Zach, 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 let, let me finish. Let me finish. Zach, I told you this, and I'll tell you again, real brief. We all leave behind a sediment, an aroma, a fragrance, whatever the fuck it is, we leave it behind in our behavior and our verbal behavior. So everything that I am and will be and is and was is in talk shoe. If you analyze closely, you'll see that your uh, apprehension or your reservations are utterly unfounded. And this is the last time I want because when you read the body of the text between us, even this, this brief last 20 minutes to me, has been nothing more than a struggle over nothing. However, I know. Let's forget it. Let's move on, please. I'm ready to move on. I apologize for creating the detour there. I just right. wanted to see where you were going. All right, let's let's let's, let's let's do this then. Let's let's end it like it never happened. Uh, uh, but also Perfect. remember. Just my sensibilities and your sensibilities mean something to me. I don't want to be off-putting anybody, but I also, let's get this raw shit out and then discuss who's who and who's unfair. Can I just, can I just tell you a little something? Yeah. About my background in my teenage years, I was so anti-racist that I would pick fights with every skinhead I ran into. I got beat up a bunch of times. It was like the defining personality trait of my teenage years, so that's why it's a hot button. 
And that's why I reacted as I did. But I'm not saying, like, don't ever mention stereotypes or, you know, don't, Okay. Or telling you to deny your set of right. your natural so, All right, so this is something we're never going to discuss again unless, you know, you feel compelled yeah, to man, do it. Yeah, man, I think, I think now we know where we stand, right. and okay. Al's got a story to tell, and I'm here to edit the story. That's all. That's all this fucking so is. I'll be dispassionate. I'll be objective. Okay, I just great, because to know where I stood. we're going to get more out of it if you don't bring in your baggage. You know, uh, my baggage is like... I can tell you a thousand fucking stories about my background, but I don't no, think that's it's just, No, no, no. Listen, this is not going into the book. This is just between me and you. I'm just telling you why I reacted, right. how I react. Okay, great. I, all right, let's do this now. Let's, get, let's end up this whole uh, segment that I was trying to... Uh, yes, n- forgive me. You were talking uh, at, 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 uh, um, about the, the black guy that came over there. What's his name? The actor. Dick Gregory. Yeah, you okay. were talking Dick about Gregory. Dick Gregory. That's right. I'm ending up on Dick Gregory. So he's the biggest hustler in the world, and I finally get rid of him and send him back. He sends me Stokely fucking Carmichael when he gets back to Washington, D.C. Just look up Stokely Carmichael. I know. The leader of the race. He's an absolutely black racist, okay? And he comes over, and Al Gore's fucking daughter's on the phone trying to talk to Larry Flint and all kind of other wannabe ex-congressmen. I get a call from Jeremiah Denton's office. He, at this time, was the senator in charge of the Intelligence Committee, Terrorism Intelligence Committee, and I was accused of planting a bomb at the Capitol building by Bill Mansur and... Bill Ryder, Flint's bodyguard and brother-in-law. And at that same moment, the Secret Service descended on me and asked me questions about this bombing that these two fuckers had said. I took some C4, which is the Vietnam explosive that they were using in Vietnam. I took some C4 off of Graham, and that's exactly what the, the Capitol building was blown up with. Well, it turns out that it was a Puerto Rican terrorist group who blew that fucking Capitol building up, but it was also an effort to get me axed by the FBI and get me away from Flint, which is a, a ploy. Uh, they thought I was going down for this, you know, just for suspicion and being locked up and being a fucking lunatic with Flint. It never worked. I balls it out. I said, what are you talking about? Come on, lie detector, stick something up my ass. I dare you. Come on, fucking bring it, bitch. And, of course, there was nothing they could do. And that uh, thwarted the bodyguards only for a little bit until they tried to kill me a couple more fucking times, twice in Springfield and once at uh, Terminal Island uh, when I was visiting Flint. Anyway, I'm going to end now because it's uh, one hour since we started, and I, I think we got a lot of raw data out of this. The 20 minutes even that we were going back and forth of this thing I think is also important because it's showing some uh, emotion that we should deliberately and, and surgically separate from the rest of it. Take it out, look at it, don't fucking comment on it because it was a total distraction. And even though it was a total distraction, it's okay because I think every single thing we do is okay. And I think it's the raw data, what I started out talking about, is what we had today more than anything. Now, this somebody's been trying to call me for fucking fifteen minutes, so I'm gonna have to go. But all right, that, just look at that. Look at that detour as us getting acquainted. All right, it doesn't factor <laughs> right. into my editing. It doesn't right, factor buddy. into your expression. All right, I'm all getting right? off, lads. I'll be talking to you soon. Right. Of course not, Zach. Thank you. All right, thank you, Al. Thanks, David. Okay, talk to you soon. All right, have a good day. You too. Thanks.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.